After COVID-19 brought the world to a screeching halt, teachers and students of all ages were forced to go digital. For the next 30 minutes, we're going to be talking about all of the newest technologies and strategies that educators are using to help close the gap between the physical classroom and the virtual classroom. So stay tuned for news, exclusive interviews, and more right here on Virtually Educated, WPCZ LPFM Demarest. From heading home to going to the country. Georgia music from the soul Georgia. of Georgia's musicians has always been the soundtrack to our lives. Georgia. And Georgia radio has been right there with you wherever you go for almost a century. Lord, I walk on in the quiet times. It's time to get up and let the good times roll. We're America's broadcasters and the great radio stations of Georgia. This year, radio turns 100 years young, and we're just getting started. Coming to a device near you, the very best is yet to come. For more on the centennial of radio in America, visit gab.org radio100. This message brought to you with pride by member stations of the Georgia Association of Broadcasters. Welcome back to Virtually Educated, everyone. Thank you for tuning in once again. Uh, I have a really interesting topic today that I think uh, may have gotten a little overlooked with a lot of what's been discussed recently about the whole distance learning situation and COVID-19 and just everything that's been going on. And that is students' mental health. Because we've talked a lot and a lot has been said about the amount the students are learning, whether or not they're keeping up in their studies, whether or not the the digital side of what we're doing to try and, and sorry, when I'm saying we, I mean educators and, and the government and the country as a whole, uh, struggling to try and keep students on track with where they were in school from a purely education standpoint. And I'd like to hear a little bit more, and I'm going to talk a little bit more today about students' mental health and how all of this isolation of distance learning, as it's called by many, uh, how that's been affecting students in their personal lives and as people and in their growth and development as as human beings. Uh, and so I'm going to talk a little bit about that later on today. Going to have a special guest on the show today who is a Latin teacher, a high school Latin teacher. Uh, so stay tuned for that. We're going to talk a long time about all of this and all of uh, students' mental health and some of her personal experiences with teaching during a pandemic. Uh, first off, I just want to start out with a quote that I found that I think kind of sums up the effect of COVID-19 on students' mental health. And this is from the National Institutes of Health. And it says, findings suggest that students, as well as the general population, may be experiencing psychological effects from the outbreak of COVID-19, such as anxiety, fear, worry, among others. A longitudinal study reveals that, compared to prior academic terms, individuals in the winter 2020 term were more sedentary, anxious, and depressed. In addition, a wide variety of behaviors, including increased phone usage, decreased physical activity, and fewer locations visited, are associated with fluctuations in COVID-19 news reporting. And for many of us who have uh, been going through education and going through schooling in COVID-19 or for anyone who's been involved in this whole uh, shebang, <laughs> I think that that might not come as very much of a surprise 
And that's that's going to be our topic for the day. That's what I'm going to talk about a lot coming up later. But right now we're going to have a quick break. I'm going to play some campus news for all you Piedmont Lions, and then we're going to get back into it. So stay tuned. How's it going, Lions? This is Michael Thomason bringing you your daily news. The headline to apply to be a main leader or a sail na- navigator has been extended, but is fast approaching. The deadline is now scheduled for this Sunday, March 7th. In other news, the 2021 Outstanding Undergraduate and Graduate Advisors of the Year are coming up. This award is presented annually to the academic advisor in each area who has demonstrated in an exceptional manner the qualities essential for sound advising. Any faculty member who is identified and serving as an academic advisor and has at least two years of advising experience at Piedmont may be nominated. Furthermore, the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Council will be hosting focus groups for students and for faculty and staff to gain a better understanding of individuals' experience and perceptions as it relates to topics of diversity, equity, and inclusion. With any questions, email DEI at piedmont.edu. That is all for now. Reporting for Z98.7 FM, the student-run radio station at Piedmont College, I am Michael Thomason. Chill and relax from your day in class on Easy Friday, where we will smooth your mind with some smooth jazz and R&B. In our show, we will discuss the news and opinions on our campus and our state and nation to keep you informed. So join in and unwind your mind with Easy Friday on Z98.7, The Jazz Line. What's up, Lions? Calling in today, I have high school Latin teacher Arianne Belzer-Carroll here to talk to us a little bit about her experiences with digital learning. So, how are you today? I am doing okay. How are you? I'm doing very well. And so I want to start off and ask you just how long you've been teaching, how long you've been an educator. 11th year, officially. Um teaching for a school system. Um, I've been working in for a very long time, um, but if we're talking officially certified, 11 years. And have you ever had any kind of situation like this where you're doing most of your teaching in an online format? Oh, God, no, I haven't. Um, My husband has. He taught a distance class, and some schools do offer those. They offer hybrid distance classes, but no, I had no experience like this before, before shutdown last year. So you're a language teacher. How hard was it to adjust uh, going from a classroom setting where you're mostly doing very interactive and hands-on type activities to all of the sudden only being able to communicate with students through, like, digital means? Phenomenally difficult. Um, It's just been phenomenally difficult. You've been in my classroom. You know. Um, The study of language, any language, is the art of both learning to build and break down boundaries, how we communicate, how we get ourselves across. There's so much in tone and so much in interaction and so much in just the the interpersonal art of being that um, doesn't get covered in grammar. Um, So much of communication is not communicable. Um, the way that we're doing this now. And so I have kids online who are doing okay, um, but the environment is not nearly as rich for them because it cannot be. Um, What's happened for a lot of them is that they're feeling like they're assignment bots. 
right now. And I think a lot of teachers are feeling the same way. We have to be significantly more structured and not in not in a safety-inducing kind of way, but in a numerical balancing data-driven kind of way. That is, we have to be able to prove that you were there. We have to be able to prove that you're keeping up because all I can see is a black box with a name on it. Um, teachers, none of my colleagues, fortunately, um, but teachers on you know the internet talk about, well, I just don't, I just don't teach to the kids anymore who won't interact, or I just won't you know teach to the kids anymore who are black boxes and don't respond to me. Um, and you simply can't do that. That's not our job as teachers. That's not our job as language teachers. Um, that's not our job as people. And there is such a degree to which um, digital teaching offers us opportunity because there are tools out there that we've never experimented with. But there's also such a degree to which it strips away our very humanity. Um, and the art of language is the art of humanity. So it's become just unspeakably hard. So have you managed to find anything that's made it easier or just in some way tried to uh, bring back that interpersonal communication with students that's been kind of cut down uh, with everything going on with COVID? Am I going to sound ridiculous if I just say love? Um, we dedicate specific time at the beginning of class to talking about how we're doing and how we're feeling, um, things that are going on in our lives, even if they're not immediately relevant to Latin, um, because it's really worth it to know that you're part of a community, um, asking them why they're feeling exhausted, asking them you know, why they're feeling productive today, checking in on them. Um, I have a kid who collects like dinosaurs, um, and it's great, and he tells us about them. Um, so we get, to, we get to hear about that, and it creates community. Um, my class has always been very student-driven, and that's been less the case this year because it has to be, um, but I think it's still trying very hard to... Um, focus what they're learning on information about them because it helps them feel a little more grounded, I think. I do a lot of breakout rooms, um, and I make a really specific effort to put a live human being that is a student who's in my classroom in breakout rooms with students who are not because it connects them back to the rest of the room, um, and it means that they are all working with each other. It means that the kid who's in my room knows the kids who are unfortunately still black boxes. Um, it means that they are still talking to each other. They're all still working together. They are still communicating interpersonally, and that takes an extra level of effort on my part. It takes an extra level of effort on their part. Um, but it's a, a level of effort that I think is worthwhile because it means that we have persisted in trying to resemble community during this time. And in a world where, oh, you don't need other people, has become the norm and the way that we interact is through screens and distance, um, it's been very, very important to me to fight to give them opportunities to talk to each other. Um, Flipgrid now, which is great, um, lets them record videos and respond in videos. So we've tried to do um, some of that, talk about yourself, record a video in response to this, um, and, and hold this conversation. Um, so even for the kids who don't feel okay speaking out loud in groups, um, it's been, yeah, it's been really, really important to me to give them the opportunity to, to know each other. So has that program kind of helped with the, um, like you mentioned, the black box issue, which I know is something that I've heard a lot from um, a couple different teachers online on TikTok or Instagram or wherever teachers are talking about what's going on. Uh, has that been a way to kind of get more student participation in class? It has, fortunately. Um, there are still going to be the ones who, who don't participate, you know, um, and I'm not going to make them. Um, some of them are in difficult situations. Some of them may not feel comfortable. Some of them have a non-functional mic. Um, 
So I'm not going to force them, but absolutely, yes. Um, I have kids who talk in every class that I have. Um, I know that I can call on people and they'll respond. And the kids in the room are very patient when we know that so-and-so types. So-and-so doesn't speak out loud. So they'll wait for somebody to answer in the chat box. Um, it means that when we talk about habits, we've been talking about um, habits in, in Latin one right now. Um, they'll make suggestions about kids who are on the other side of the screen. Oh, so-and-so is good at this. Um, or didn't so-and-so say that, you know, they tend to do this in the morning. Um, it creates um, a bond for them. And that means that they do tend to buy in and they do tend to participate. And then they'll talk. Um, and they will become members of the class. doesn't work for everybody, but it's something. And right now, something is sometimes enough. Yeah, because I know from experience um, just how close you can get, especially going through three or four years of a language class with your same group of students, how close you can get uh, with each other. And I was, I was kind of wondering about that. I know my sister is still in your class. Uh, and she hasn't said a whole lot about it to me. We just haven't really talked about it. But um, whether or not that that familiarity you get with your, your classmates and situations like that has really gone away. I know that she's mentioned that doing club activities uh, has kind of helped, even if you have to do them on an online format. And I know you're an advisor to several different clubs. How has that changed? How has the whole system changed for having students in leadership positions in clubs and all of these different areas where students would be getting experiences outside of just in class. How has that changed with everything being online? A lot. Um, in terms of the community in class that you're mentioning, it's much more real for the kids in the room, I think, than the kids who are online. Um, I think the kids who are online are still feeling very isolated. I'm trying my best to connect them to the people in the room. It's very important to me. Um, but the camaraderie is absolutely more there for the people who are in the room. Um, in terms of clubs and um, leadership opportunities and so forth, it's severely diminished. Um, right now, we are um, awaiting a training before uh, clubs can meet in person again. And so they're sort of on hiatus, you know, in, in toto. Um, so there haven't been any meetings lately, but you're right, I do. I run a competition team. I run Latin Club, and I also run Saga, um, which is the um, Sexuality and Gender Acceptance and, and Awareness group. Um, and all three of those clubs are, are clubs that offer both leadership opportunities and also support um, to kids who need sort of a, a niche space, and it is in many ways diminishing this year. I can't speak to things like NHS or Beta. I don't run them. Um, I also know that they function much more differently. But there have been very few club meetings. The things aren't announced anymore. You don't hear from Weaves and Weaves. You don't hear from Ping Pong Club because they simply aren't meeting. Um, those opportunities have in many ways gone away uh, this year. And so there are kids who've had not just a year and a half of their education taken from them, but a year and a half of opportunities. There will be no Latin convention this year, and there wasn't last year. Um, I have a student who wanted to run for state office and couldn't because he would have had to run last year, and so he's not in office this year and will graduate. Um, there's an Italy trip that was planned that probably won't happen because of travel restrictions. Um, and, and like you say, there's simply the experience in standing up in front of a room and learning to command a room and lead. We had a Saturnalia meeting. It was on Zoom. Um, I led it because while the kids have and are developing the leadership skills, there's so many intricacies of learning how to manage it online um, that students just don't have. 
um, they helped with it. They supported. I delegated to them. But I ended up being primarily the person in charge. Um, at the smaller club meetings, the kids were still running them. I was very impressed, actually. Um, the, the kids were still running them, and, and they, were, they were doing their darndest with the situation. Um, so they are fighting through it. Um, I think there are going to be skills in leading things online that they're getting out of this. But they're not corollaries in, I think, strength to what they would have otherwise had. Um, loss is just going to be attendant to this whole thing in ways that I think are not going to be really observable for a long time. So, yeah, kind of kind of going along with that um, idea of it being different, trying to communicate online, um, we have a huge major here at Piedmont uh, for education. And I know that a lot of people have been trying to student teach and get all of these experiences that you need in order to go into education and become a teacher. Uh, do you have any advice to give to me or any of the other uh, education studiers here at Piedmont for what they should expect or what they should try to do when student teaching or pursuing education in this particular year? I realize that, uh, I realize that my answer to two questions now has been love, um, but the answer is love. Um, empathy is going to be such a huge thing. Empathy for yourself and empathy for your students is going to be a huge thing. This is hard. Um, we are all drowning, all of us, and we are people with a lot of experience. So people with no experience are walking into this um, having no clue what they're looking at. Give yourself grace. Give your students grace. Um, give yourself permission to think on your feet. Give yourself permission to think creatively. There are many ways in which the old guard, as I shall say, um, is we're getting stuck in our ways because we have been doing this for a long time. Um, and so there are things that we like to do and things that we know work. And um, so in some ways we're having trouble transitioning. Uh, you're lucky because you don't have that yet. And so what you do have is experience learning this way. You know what's working for you and what isn't. And you can say, okay, what can I do with this? What are my options? Because you don't have a bank you're trying to, to shift over. It's like trying to make, you know, roast beef into a vegetarian meal. It sucks. Um, but there are really wonderful vegetarian meals that are wonderful because they were just vegetarian. You weren't trying to, to make a meat meal vegetarian. Come from there. Come from what can I do with this instead of how do I try to take something that was great and just like make it function? Um, and while you do that, Give yourself grace. Give yourself love. Um, ask for help before you crash. Um, and ask for help from many, many different perspectives because um, there's not a right answer. So you get to hear what lots of people are saying and take what feels right to you um, and incorporate it into the teacher that you are becoming. Do you, uh, and I'm not sure if this is a question you'll be comfortable answering or not, so just let me know, but do you see us ever going back to a place where we were before where it was almost entirely in person or where, uh, where do you think we're at right now? Much I like metaphor. You know how much I like metaphors. Um, <laughs> I got divorced some years ago and you, you change your name and whatever. And, um, the lawyer said to me, do you want to go back to your maiden name? And I said, you know, you don't go back. You can wear the same name, but you can't go back. Um, so I picked a different name, and um, I think we're going to be in the same place 
we might get to a place where people are primarily in person. I know that um, some counties are intending to continue to offer either hybrid classes as an option or fully online classes as an option for students. Um, I'm not sure how that's going to turn out. I think there are probably benefits and deficits to that um, that we can discuss if you'd like. Um, I think we will probably return to a point where many of our students are in person simply because as we've gone through this experience, we've discovered exactly how hard this is on both teachers and students. I also think that we tend to look for forward. We tend to look for our future. And once you've had an experience, it's very difficult to plug your ears, close your eyes, and pretend it didn't exist. Um, this is this scars us. Um, and scar isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's a mark. Um, it's a mark of how you lived and a mark of things that have happened and choices you've made. Um, and this will scar us. And I don't think there's any pretending that the scar isn't there. So we'll incorporate some of the methodologies. Some of them may be to our detriment. Some of them may not. Um, I think in many ways it's going to take a long time to heal um, from this and for people to feel okay learning, quote-unquote, the way that we were. Um, I also think that students have learned a lot about themselves and their own mental health and their responsibility in ways that they weren't before, um, and in really useful and important ways that they hadn't before. I also think students have learned some pretty detrimental things, like that they are assignment bots. Um, this has been detrimental to their view of education in some ways, and so there's going to either have to be some retraining, or education's going to lean into that, which is going to be problematic, I think. Um, are we going to go back? I don't think you go backwards. Are we going to move towards returning to in-person? I hope so. Uh, will we retain some of the stuff that we've, you know, acquired from this? I have little to no doubt. I talked about this a little bit in my last show. Um, well, I talked extensively about standardized testing and the current move back towards standardized testing in schools to try and gauge where students are at uh, and what the effects of COVID have been. Um, but I want to ask your opinion on this and try and get a teacher's point of view. Um, do you think that there has been a, a large deficit in what students have learned this past year or, or how much information they've been able to retain because of the switch or because of the new formatting? And do you think that standardized testing is going to be able to um, help us understand that and help the government understand how to allocate funds more effectively to try and make up the difference? I think I'm the wrong person to ask. Um, my philosophy on standardized testing is burn it to the ground. Uh, kids aren't standard, you know? And even the most brilliant of students has a bad day or a bad week or a bad year um, or didn't eat breakfast or, I don't know, got hit in the face by a tennis ball that morning. Um, which I suppose goes along with having a bad day. I think if there's any use for standardized testing, using it as a measuring tool for where our students are as opposed to where they were is not a bad one. Um, whether we are sagacious enough to write tests with that goal, whether we are skilled enough to think to and to be able to, um, and whether we are, back to sagacious, 
sagacious enough to actually choose to use them that way is, I think, a different question. That isn't how we use standardized testing. We use testing mostly for punishment. We don't th think about it that way. We don't talk about it that way, but that is what we use it for. Um, yes, there's going to be a gap for kids. Um, there's going to have to be. We have to move slower. There are modalities that we can't touch. Um, there are students we haven't been able to reach, students we would have been able to reach and, and that we can't reach right now um, in ways that have been very hard. Could standardized tests be used that way? I think if we did a good enough job and we did it ethically, maybe. Um, I don't think we tend to do standardized testing particularly ethically. So will it be? Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I uh, kind of what I talked about a bit last week. I read off a couple different quotes from teachers and things that they had tweeted about it, which was basically what you just said, um, burn it to the ground. Is there anything else that you really want to tell students or that you would want to tell um, any, any other teachers who are struggling right now with everything that's been going on? Whatever you're doing today, you're okay. You really are. You're okay. If what you could do today is shower, I'm proud of you. Um, if what you could do today is get a little bit of grading done or a little bit of, a little bit of your assignments done, I'm proud of you. Um, if what you did today was go to class, good for you. Um, if you feel like you've dug yourself into a hole, take a deep breath. Take a step back. Ask someone for help. And then let's break it into manageable chunks. It's doable. You can do this. I'm pulling for you. Um, your teachers don't think you're stupid. Um, your students don't think you're incompetent. And when we're really honest with each other, it humanizes us. Um, it's so easy to dehumanize people when they're black boxes. And so you close your eyes and you think, oh, why are you doing this to me? Um, reach out. We are in a world that isolates us. Reach out and say, hi, please remember that I'm a human and I need you. Um, I need you to see me. I need you to help me. And I need your support. Um, and most people will say, I see that. Let's get through this together. Um, because at the end of the day, we are all human and we are all going through this together. You are okay. You've got this. And I'm pulling for you. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on my show and talk to me today. I've really enjoyed having you on. For everyone out there listening, once again, this has been Arianne Belzer-Carroll here on the phones with me today. Reporting for Z98.7 FM, the student-run radio station at Piedmont College, I'm Savannah Richards. What are you doing? Give me your keys. Man, I'm fine. It was just one shot. I don't care. You can't be driving. I'll be fine. Trust me. I'm only a mile from the house. And what could go wrong? Drunk driving is a leading cause of teen deaths. One in five teen drivers involved in a fatal crash had some alcohol in their system. Remember, just one drink is one too many. What's up, Lions? This is Savannah Richards bringing you the weather for Northeast Georgia. Can you believe it, Lions? It is 70 degrees and sunny outside. I think we're finally starting to see some springtime weather. Today, we have a high of 70 degrees and a low of 55 degrees. Tomorrow, it'll cool down a little bit, and we'll see a high of 62 degrees and a low of 47. Luckily, it looks like we're done with rain for this week, and the sky should stay mostly clear through the weekend.
Currently in Demarest, at 4.27 p.m., we have sunny skies and the temperature is 68 degrees, and I am thrilled to hear it. And thank you everyone so much for tuning into my show today. I do have one more thing I want to go through uh, today just to kind of look on the bright side because I know that some of what we talked about today has been a little bit on the heavy side. And I went back to one of my favorite websites and one of my favorite articles, uh, which is weareteachers.com, and they have this wonderful article uh, about some funny digital learning moments and a couple of quotes from teachers based on of funny things that their students have done in their classes. And so I'm just going to read a couple quotes for you today that I laughed at a bit this morning. Uh, the first one here is from Lauren S., and she said, One of my kiddos showed up in a tiara today and insisted that we listen to Let It Go. I mean, how could we not? So it's good to see that some people are having some fun with this situation still. Ashley S. said, I had a middle school student with a live cockatiel on her head the entire morning. Bailey T. said, I mentioned that I would love to see my students' pets. My seventh graders shared five goats, one in a bed, three chickens, two guinea pigs, three cats, and countless dogs. It was worth it. And then our last one for today comes from Jill W., who said, I had someone come over to my house to switch out my smoke detectors, but didn't realize he would test every single one of them. They all went off together, so every time he added one, it got louder. Not to mention, my dogs kept barking at him. (laughs) So I hope you got a little bit of a chuckle out of that. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I really hope to see you back here next week for another installment of Virtually Educated. Thank you for tuning in to Virtually Educated. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to tune in again next Thursday at 4 p.m. for another 30 minutes of exclusive talk and interviews right here on Zeke 98.7 FM.